think with Meltzer, a lot of people fall into Mel. I mean, he's such an interesting figure in that he was just sort of around first. I mean, of course, you had PWI and you had Bill Apter and stuff like that. But in sort of what he was doing and sort of getting the backstage, the scoop and all that stuff and divulging it um, and his newsletter, you know, was the first of its kind, basically the dirt sheets, you know. Um, I think with Meltzer, it's one of those things where, you know, you got to you got to stay relevant. <laughs> you know, you got to you got to find a way to stay relevant. And look, Meltzer is always going to talk highly of his friends because his friends talk highly of him. So the young bucks will always get like they will always get his undying loyalty um, and he'll and he'll love the stuff that they do regardless. And this is not to say that they haven't been a part of really, really groundbreaking stuff. Uh, the the elite, rather, as I'm not going to because they have they, they totally have. I mean, and to be fair to Dave Meltzer in this regard, look, when Dynamite Kid was doing what he was doing, Dave Meltzer was about it. So Dave Meltzer, so I'm not going to sit there and be like, you know, Dave Meltzer has been anti-progress and the evolution. No, he, he has been. It's just that now it's, it's harder to stay relevant when there are so many other takes and there are actually takes with followings out there. So he's going to find his way. And oftentimes he's going to say things, you know, because the Internet is what it is. He's just going to be combative and go at people in such a way to make them feel what they want to feel. He wants to elicit a reaction out of them. That's why I treat Meltzer. If it comes to facts, figures and things like that, he's pretty good. But if you know enough and if you've watched enough pro wrestling, you really don't need Dave Meltzer's opinion on what the match is because, you know, you have an understanding of what the match is and there's historical context for the match. You know what I'm saying? At the at Sometimes, though, you'll find yourself in a position where you and Dave Meltzer agree. and gentlemen we welcome you to your weekly podcast that is all things john cena's instagram and other related uh things to wrestling uh, my name is mike alloy with me is satoyo i do apologize we were not here last week we were to be quite frankly a little bit wrestled out with the three podcasts in a week it was wrestlemania yes, we, had too to much. Go, we had to go home we had to relax we had to go to work we just had to live life a little bit, but yep. we're all caught up now. We're ready to talk wrestling once again. Satoyo, I do apologize. I said your name, but you are still free to introduce yourself. Well, yes. I mean, we know the El Guapo of professional wrestling commentary as well as stand-up comedy. Satoyo, happy once again to be back and that you are here listening to us. Uh, we have a great podcast episode lined up for y'all. Very excited. We sure do. And to be quite frank, I think it's a good thing that we took a week off, not just to recharge our batteries, but I think had we recorded last weekend, um, we, with this podcast, we've been maybe a little bit too angry, maybe a little bit too yeah. sad uh, yeah. because of what happened last week. Unfortunately, it is still the lead for our podcast, but I do think with some time and um, we might not, our takes on it might be uh, not as harsh, let's say, uh, and not as angry. That being said, we do have to start with uh, a round of uh, firings from your uh, worldwide sports entertainment leader, WWE. A year after releasing talent in the midst of pandemic, uh, celebrated with another uh, round of releases uh, in the midst of a pandemic. Um, uh, noted, of course, by uh, Samoa Joe, as well as the Iconics, but there was a lot of talent released. Mickey James, your uh, future Hall of Famer, uh, and uh, some other talent. So, Satoyo, what is your reaction to this development? I have strikingly different reactions to both rounds of firing. In that first round of firing, it was very, it was almost like, oh my God, it's like we're not even in pandemic. Uh, because people have to remember that this was kind of the norm. Uh, the releases after a WrestleMania, the spring cleaning, as they used to call it, back in the day where they would get rid of a round of talent. Um, I react to it a little differently in that 
um, this time around, I'm, I'm so thankful that there are places to work. And I'm, I'm really hoping that these individuals who were released, you know, did right by themselves and their money and saved appropriately and things like that. But, you know, man, nine, 10 years ago, you know, this stuff, that was, that was, that could be a lot harder on a talent, especially if you were, you know, mid card or, you know, opening match or whatever else. Uh, I thought, you know, the firing of Joe was really, really a waste um, because I know his health issues being what they are trying to get medically cleared by them anyway. Uh, but also like he had just filled into the announcer role and just gave that announcer's death desk an air of legitimacy that was so needed. Um, Mickey James, that was another waste. She still is one of the better female wrestlers and one of the better wrestlers in the world. So the fact that you don't have anything for her. The fact that you can't put her any in anywhere when Oscar was doing nothing with that title, you mean they couldn't have had a run. They couldn't have done business. Uh, so, you know, there was that. So, but that's not too surprising to me. The second round of firings I felt was more of a culture issue. And uh, because, you know, what sort of started off that release was the way in which they treated Mickey James and basically putting all of her stuff into a black trash bag and sort of, and I want to make this clear when I talk about things like this, that is a culture issue within WWE. You can fire Mark Carano as they did and fire all these other people as Nick Khan did, who's the president of WWE. But the issue is that's a culture issue that is at the, it starts at the very top. Mark Carano only thought that he could do that because in the culture that he was operating in, that type of behavior was totally fine. And, and let's not be mistaken, had Mickey James not done anything, Triple H wouldn't have put out that lame tweet. You would Stephanie would have put out that none of that stuff would happen. They understood that, yeah, the optics of us firing her look really bad. But also now look at look at how she is holding us accountable for our behavior. And they want to sit there and dump it on Carano. They want to sit there and dump it on the former uh, lead of public relations and all that. They only know to do that stuff from the from Vince, Stephanie and, and, and trips. That's a culture issue. So do not let them lie to you. I know Nick Khan has a very, very strong vision that Vince is apparently on board with, that he wants to take the company more into a mainstream, uh, you know, mainstream type of profile and media. None of that's going to happen when you still have carny, disrespectful nonsense like that occurring. And, and I think it starts with the whole practice. I mean, there's yes. not look. Companies fire people that we don't, yes. nobody likes it. I've, you know, uh, I've been fired from jobs before, but while things have, uh, sometimes you get fired, sometimes you get uh, laid off, right? Sometimes it's because of something you did. Sometimes it's, it's what happens. Nothing wrong with that specifically. I'm not going to you know, uh, say anything about bad about WWE for firing people. What I'm going to say is the fact that you have a yearly tradition of letting people go. That's to me is insane. The fact right. that now it's a date on the calendar. I don't understand how you're supposed to work in that environment. That's one of many things that is, again, as you just said, if you are going to take this company mainstream, I mean, this is a, already a publicly yeah. traded company, which is kind of insane. Yeah. I don't understand how you can treat your employees that way. You're ultimately your most, not only your employees, but your most prized resource, which are the wrestlers, right? Yes. Pretty much once they're gone, all you have is just past footage. Yeah, you, which you know, and 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 at that point you don't even own it because you just sold it to NBC. Yeah, so it is frustrating to me. As far as like who they let go, I think the specifics of it we can dive into. A lot of people were not used. A lot of those people, you know, I mean, and, and not to say they're not talented. I have, um, I guess for lack of better wording, I no problem with them being let go. I wish it was done in a more tasteful manner, not necessarily sure. as part of quote unquote spring cleaning. Um. But I think there's a lot of opportunities for those people. If you make it yes. to WWE, I think you have enough talent to succeed pretty much almost anywhere else. And it's ranging from Kalisto, who a few years ago was supposed to be the next Rey Mysterio. Um, I think him. Former United States champion. I mean, him and, him and Sin Cara Lucha Dragons were a hot tag team in NXT. I mean, we really forget. And Sin Cara, the Sin Cara we like, has been openly critical of WWE. It's like, you say you, got, you say you want Latin superstars, but then you get them and you don't do anything with them. And again, he is right. <laughs> like he's, he's right. I, I think for, for that company, they have to figure out whether or not it's about optics for them or whether it's about the truth. Because mm -hmm. far too often, they deal in optics. Very true. And yeah, it's, it is the, the, the obscene amount of uh, Latin talent that they've had over the years and kind of, 
I, I can't remember the last one who they did anything significant with. Not, you know, and then really, really strongly pushed. Um, I mean, they 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 milk. They I mean, again, he's one of the greatest of all times, but they milk Eddie Guerrero for all he's worth. I mean, they they literally milk him and milk him, and you should because it's an amazing story, amazing legacy of I will sit there and again and say one of the greatest of all time. You really can't think of in ring someone better as good. Sure. Better. Mm, uh, you're going to have a hard time. Uh, but they milked it for all it's worth because realistically he was the really the last one they 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 kind of embraced and treated and he got over so crazy. But they had Ray and they and then they gave him one of the worst world title runs of all time when that's lit you had David right there and every night he was going up against Goliath. That was a, it's a build in it's it's built in heat. But they they just saw no reason to do that um, with Alberto before his problems arose. They always wanted to be half pregnant with him. Um, even now, you have a guy like Santos Escobar. And I'm, I'm forgetting, I'm not mentioning a lot of other people that had it, you know, between that. Even now you have a guy like Santos Escobar who can speak fluent English, looks great physically, can work his tail off. There's no reason to not do more with that guy. You don't need him just being relegated to the cruiserweights. That is also to say about Umberto uh, Carrillo. Uh, that is also, I mean, Andrade. Angel. Angel, Angel Garza. Garza. Like you, Angel Garza. You know what I'm saying? He's the lover. Yeah. He's all incredible, and they have built-in personalities, but this company's more uh, concerned with how things look, not really about doing what is necessary. Now, when this company does do the right thing or the appropriate thing or thing that's best for business, oftentimes it is done with them kicking and screaming along the way. They are being drugged by a fan base who at sometimes they seem to really resent uh, <laughs> to, to, to going in the positive direction. And it, it, it's... It's uh, it's it's frustrating in that regard. Uh, Kalisto will always have the best uh, chair match of all time against uh, against Baron Corbin. Um, yes. And and also the crazy moment and I forgot what letter match it was, but it was a I believe a three way letter match where he did a sunset flip off the ladder. Yeah, yeah, that was insane. Uh, that was or even just his work for the United States title against Alberto Del Rio. Right. I mean, I mean again. Bro, I can't even say enough about those guys. One, Alberto can work his behind off. Kalisto can work his... And they work such a perfect big man, small man match. Like a series of three matches for the U.S. title. Alberto Del Rio, I think, was the guy they pushed last, now that you mention it. I mean, yes, he was. No, no he, he was. But again, like I said, they were always half pregnant with him. Yeah, with me, you got to keep... you When you have a guy like that, you don't give them... You don't give them all the pomp and circumstance and the buzz and the thing and then take those things away over time. No, you keep it there because that's what works. If it's working, why break it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like and 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 you break it to spite you to spite either the, the individual in question or to spite a fan base that is reacting positively. This is a company that has seen sales of merchandise point in a direction and get mad at the fact that the sales of that particular individual's merch is doing well. So they will like that's and you. So as a result, when people say with Nick Khan wants to take him into a more mainstream environment, I don't see how you can with that type of personality it, it, running things at the top. I just don't see it. And speaking of a person who, you know, uh, stopping momentum and kind of taking away thing, you know, I don't, I can't, I do not understand what Billy Kay could have done with the time and the role they gave to her that would have, I thought, I thought she excelled. I thought she got, you know, hey, she maximized comedy minutes. gimmick. You yep. only have uh, up to maybe five minutes on the show, do something with it. And yep. she knocked it out of the park every time. It, I told you I was into, very yep. entertained by Carmella, this like, yep. weird new pairing. So for them to release her, I think more than anybody else, I would say that's probably as Samoa Joe is a legend, is an yeah. absolute wrestling god. If he's yeah. not medically cleared, maybe they think oh, we're paying him too much just commentate. Sure. He can't wrestle. I I disagree with it, sure, but I get it. Sure, Billy Kay, like what uh, what more could you want from somebody in the she, role she, that you gave him? She has a tremendous. I mean, the iconics they just had such a tremendous upside. Yeah. Billy Kay, uh, most certainly, like Jr. would say, she maximized her minutes. Absolutely. You know, and you and I both know as performers ourselves, you know, sometimes you go into an environment and they're like three minutes and you got to find a way to stay. She did that every single time. And guess what? It didn't matter. It's that it's it's the glass ceiling that doesn't exist. It's the brass ring that when you finally put your hands on it, it evaporates because it's not a real thing. It's real for some people. 
you know, but it's it's but but it's not it's not about what they claim that it is about. From well, I'm excited uh, again. I don't. They broke. They broke up a, a tag team and then just released them both together. I'm excited to see them. I'm assuming. Yes. Uh, I think it's easy to assume uh, to kind of fantasy book all the women in AEW who have been building out their division. Um, I think a lot of. I think both Dallas and can. I can see them both working uh, in NWA as mm-hmm. serviceable wrestlers who are great on a promo. Mm-hmm. Um, and t- I think Tucker, don't don't sleep on Tucker, man. I think Tucker can go for a big. Hey, Tucky, Tucky leaned out. We like last few times. Tucky leaned out. I think Tucky, hopefully, and he, I think he kind of. I don't think he saw the writing on the wall. Maybe he did because he's alluded to. He can't wait to tell his side of the story, which I always love because you know you about to hear dis- some disrespect because that's the culture there. Uh, but the last time I saw him in that Andre the Giant Battle Royal, he had really slimmed out and leaned out, and I'm like. Is this guy wanting people to forget who he was? Because if so, that's pretty smart. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want, you know, it's like, I, who do I, I want to be the pairing of heavy machinery that did nothing? And then Otis got over, I guess, but then they killed that. And then I just was like the jealous friend who then did lost, nothing. did nothing. Did they even have a payoff, man? They, I don't believe I know he so. turned on them, but they, they turned on, on that, TV. I don't, I don't think they did anything with it. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, that's all. You and, and we watch and we watch a lot and we watch yes. all of it. So, yeah, that, I think that, that's that's the best way to summarize it. So uh, as one thing we do have in common with WWE, we wish all the talent best in their future endeavors. And uh, they, like I said, they all have enough talent, definitely, uh, to sure. do so. Uh, moving on to a little bit of uh, slightly better things, or actually touching on subjects, I think would be a lot worse and a lot more bitter in our discussion how we talked about him last week. I have a. I was going to start off this podcast last week by basically saying "fuck Dave Meltzer." Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to do that because you know what? That depends on me. That's on me for seeking out his feedback and seeking out those goddamn star ratings sure. and caring about them when sure. they in fact do not matter. Right. When at this point in his career, Dave Meltzer has clearly made a choice to become basically a troll. Sure. He like so many other uh, the person I linked to him and I do apologize to our listeners for getting a. Just uh, not even political, more so a little bit more cultural. He reminds me a little bit of uh, Joe Rook, right? Yeah. Where yeah. you have, sure, just because you have a platform doesn't mean you have a responsibility, but you should. You really should be better at your craft. If you're going to have, be, you know, be looked at in Joe Rogan's case as the, most, not, the, the biggest platform for a lot of politicians and, and, and thought leaders. You probably shouldn't your response when, hey, how did you let, why did you let this person do this on your show? Shouldn't be, well, I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. In Dave Meltzer's case, when he gets stuff wrong, when he ends more specifically with his match, because right now, if you want to look back on any feud or specifically on any match and you want to go, hey, what was the quality of that match? What was the quality of that match in 98? Unfortunately, your only option is to look at Dave Meltzer's rating. Mm-hmm. He, unfortunately, has become the official historian of wrestling business. And what he has done with his power, especially in the last few years, is extremely disappointing. And at this point, it's basically just trolling. And I will have to dismiss it in its entirety. I'm not sure what I'm going to replace it with. I do have, thank God, a very smart friend who apparently has seen <laughs> almost every wrestling match there is. And uh, whose opinion I trust, quite frankly, more than Dave Meltzer's. Uh, this comes from Dave Meltzer giving uh, five stars to... They, uh, Young Bucks versus the Death Triangle uh, match on AW, which was a good match. And that's the thing, the, probably the worst thing about it, is he made me not enjoy that match. Right. It's a good match. It's a very quality. It was fun. Was it the best match I've ever seen? No. Was it the best match of the year on AEW television? No, it's still not as good as the women's uh, hardcore lights out match from a few weeks back. Um, but it's a good match. And I do not want him giving it five stars while on the other side, giving four stars to um, the main event of uh, WrestleMania Night 1, Bianca Belair against uh, Sasha Banks, four stars. Yeah. It's a small difference. One match is much more important than the other one. One match had much more build. One was, a, this is the first time we see them go at it. We, we waited for it. One is going to be talked about and remembered for years and years and years. The other is a throwaway match between the combination we've seen a million times on, on free television. It doesn't need to be said. So when you give one match, you say this was better and this deserves more of your attention, you are at this point just lying. Yeah. And, well, and also, yeah. more importantly, one, they're not, we're not even that different in quality. I honestly personally enjoy Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks more because I thought they told a better story. They had a story to tell. 
the other match was just really cool moves in the you know and that's it so my this rant over i'm gonna go for long my this is more for me don't say fuck dev Meltzer. just try to find your alternative find the smart friend who knows wrestling watch more make up your own list if you want to some and when you have kids when you meet other young fans let them know hey dev Meltzer, not the worst place to start once you've seen a few maybe you want to move on yeah i think with Meltzer, a lot of people fall into Mel- i mean he's such an interesting figure in that he was just sort of around first. I mean, of course, you had PWI and you had Bill Apter and stuff like that. But in sort of what he was doing and sort of getting the backstage, the scoop and all that stuff and divulging it um, and his newsletter, you know, was the first of its kind. Basically, the dirt sheets, you know, um, I think with Meltzer, it's one of those things where, you know, you got to you got to stay relevant. <laughs> you know, you got to you got to find a way to stay relevant. And look, Meltzer is always going to talk highly of his friends because his friends talk highly of him. So the young bucks will always get like they will always get his undying loyalty Um, and he'll and he'll love the stuff that they do regardless. And this is not to say that they haven't been a part of really, really groundbreaking stuff. Uh, The the elite rather as I'm not going to because they have they, they totally have. I mean, and to be fair to Dave Meltzer in this regard, look, when Dynamite Kid was doing what he was doing, Dave Meltzer was about it. So Dave Meltzer, so I'm not going to sit there and be like, you know, Dave Meltzer has been anti-progress and the evolution. No, he, ha- he has been. It's just that now it's, it's harder to stay relevant when there are so many other takes and there are actually takes with followings out there. So he's going to find his way. And oftentimes he's going to say things, you know, because the Internet is what it is. He's just going to be combative and go at people in such a way to make them feel what they want to feel. He wants to elicit a reaction out of them. That's why I treat Meltzer. If it comes to facts, figures, and things like that, he's pretty good. But if you know enough and if you've watched enough pro wrestling, you really don't need Dave Meltzer's opinion on what the match is because you know you have an understanding of what the match is. And there's historical context for the match. You know what I'm saying? At the, sometimes, though, you'll find yourself in a position where you and Dave Meltzer agree. But then there's sometimes where it's like Dave Meltzer gave Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania what was it? 13, 13. A, a rating. I disagree with, I thought it should have been higher. And I remember like, I'll stay on all that to this day because I think that's better than most of the young buck matches ever. And that's not oh, a knock. It's better no. than every single young buck. Yeah. Match. Let's, let's make that's, it very clear. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You're right. And that's not a knock on the young bucks. That's Bret Hart and a prime Steve Austin. That's two of the best workers ever selling telling a story and doing stuff like that but i think with some people man you gotta you gotta put them where they are you know and you have to understand in certain places especially as they get older they they age out of the idea of of what being objective is of what progress is and understand because their name needs to be the most important thing so when dave Meltzer gives those reviews it's dave Meltzer giving those reviews he wants you to think about him before you think about those matches in question. And believe me, those matches in question are infinitely more important than anything Dave Meltzer has to say, anything more important than any other podcast, period, because we wouldn't be t- we would have nothing to talk about otherwise. You know, is that Dave needs to be an authority. And that and that is where the, the fundamental flaw comes into place. I could not have said better myself. I think with that being said, we should move on to some actual wrestling that has yes. happened this week. Um, yes. I do, you know, again, we have a follow-up from WrestleMania. Uh, AEW is not tip, uh, currently promoting a show specifically. Um, they have Blood and Guts May 5th. That's right. That's, that's oh, it's, one, uh, it's a one-match show. One you have one-match show. Um, so, again, as far as matches, I thought there was just a lot of really good matches happening. Not necessarily uh, for me, if I had to pick one highlight, just because of from fantasy booking perspective. Um, I thought the um, Randy Orton. Putting on a, uh, a great effort again, no, no longer Matt Riddle. Um, and I thought, I, again, I think I know the story they're telling, and it's going to be an interesting pairing. I think they're, you know, we're going to see a formation of RK Bro, which just sounds too good for Vince not to like it. Um, but yeah, but I thought excellent match on uh, yeah. this past Monday. I thought it was a tremendous match. Um, I was really, really, it, you know, and again, I'm talking about them as performers. We understand, you know, the other thing about Riddle and in his in his history and his his you know the things that he has on him. He's still employed, uh, so like that's just what that is. Um, you know, we all have our opinions about that, but in terms of the match in and of itself, I thought it was excellent. Uh, I thought it's just a very very interesting pairing, and it's good on Orton 
you know, for being like, yeah, I'll work with that guy. Because if Orton doesn't want to do it, then the chances that, you know, that could have been just an RKO night. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, he, you know, you understand that the guy has something to offer and they're both great workers. So I was very, very impressed with that. I thought the match, I thought, the, you know, it's funny for me. I thought the match of the week going in, I said, boy, Christian and powerhouse Hobbs. If this man, Christian, just won't he do it? Every single time he sits there and he shows you how professional wrestling is done. God damn it. And he did. I mean, you take a you take a guy with so much upside in powerhouse Hobbs, who I love, reminds me of like a, a, a young Butch Reed mixed with Ron Simmons, a young Ron Simmons, just or and even lesser known ice train from WCW. It reminds me of all these amazing athletes and he's like an amalgamation of all of them. And he just, he's soaking everything up. He's learning and he looked like an absolute killer. And it was just such a good match. And I remember thinking that's probably going to be my match of the week. It's probably going to be Riddle versus Orton. And now Christian versus uh, Powerhouse Hobbs. And then wouldn't you know it, Darby Allen and Jungle Boy put on a match that, mm, boy. And here's the thing I got to give Darby. Darby's been defending that title. And he has been working his behind off and consistently having good to great matches. And this was no exception. That thing was a tremendous piece of business. Jungle Boy, I, I love Jungle Boy Luke Perry. He, I think he is excellent. I think he can work every style. It's, but it's, it's so important. The thing that Darby gets about himself that's just a brilliant to me is he understands his size. So he's always going to be fighting from underneath. And in those fights, hey man, sometimes he can't fight clean. Not, you know, not, he's not cheating per se, but the desperation in that match of really needing like that title matters and people can say what they want. The TNT title, which is basically the world television championship is it's already been propelled and, and shouts to Cody and shouts to the late great Brody Lee. It's one of the more important titles in pro wrestling right now, and especially because the match quality also dictates as such. And I think it's, it, it shows you how much uh, faith the company has in them. The fact yes. that this was, as soon as the match was over, there was no big angle. There wasn't yeah. no, they left no time for it. They, yeah. The match is over, raise hand, that's it, we're off. Mm-hmm. The fact that they knew, hey, you guys, go, we trust you to go out, have a banger a match, and yeah, we'll do fine. We don't need anything to, to top it off. That's and very it, and it, and it got And it got both of them over. You know, Jungle, Jungle Boy doesn't look bad. And losing Jungle Boy. Well, he was dominating. People. He was dominating. Yeah, he was the dominating. Match. He just got, you know, uh, uh, not, not quite a roll, but like a fancy roll up, if you want. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what I think the move is. can't remember what the name of the move is called. Uh, it had a cool name. I don't remember either. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was, it's an excellent finish. Mm-hmm. And it's an, like, it's excellent. It's a good, clean. It's your classic babyface desperation roll up finish, which back in the day, Almost every babyface had like their get out of jail free like roll up thing, especially if they were smaller because you just sort of needed it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that was great. That's right. I mean, bro, bro, again, speaking of the excellence of execution, he pretty much had like, you know, a dozen different roll ups, yeah. you know, during his first championship. Well, race, so, yeah, yeah. Why, yeah. Watch again. Again, one of the best ever. You watch Brett. And this is the thing that I think so much of professional wrestling has gotten away from on, at least in the WWE anyway. And into New Japan to a certain extent is that it's so finisher heavy, especially WWE. But it's like, man, if you look at the title reigns that really stick out, that really hit, that really pop, bro, it was not like Bret Hart beating Diesel for the title. That, bruh, like small package. Okay. And it was everything that led up to the small package. You know what I'm saying? So like stuff like that. I mean, British Bulldog, his match with British Bulldog in 96 for the title, like crucifix. crucifix. I mean, you know, crucifix. The objective imagine- is to keep the man's shoulders yeah. down for three seconds. The, yeah. I, I think they're worried that if you don't see your favorite, your favorite wrestler's favorite move, you, you'll be upset. You'll, that's what the video, that's head. what the video game's for. <laughs> I, and, I and, keep, and keep in mind, I've played WWE 2, I've played all the 2Ks, and best believe I've had a match end in a roll-up, because <laughs> sometimes the computer keeps on kicking out, and you gotta be like, and you catch them when the health bar is low, and their stamina, boot, and they don't got it, because the thing is, and then, yeah, guess what? You won with a Mahi Straw Cradle, and it was a five-star match. <laughs> Indeed. Um, Two more matches I want to give a shout-out to. I want to give a shout-out to two women's matches on the both, on the NXT and AEW. Uh, Zoe Starks against uh, – oh, God damn it. I'm shit with names. Uh, what is the lady's name? Saray? I want to say Saray. Yeah. yeah. Now, look. 
Mm-hmm. The director showed Saray. I got it right. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, Saray, debut Saray, uh, another Japanese uh, lady. Unlike Latin American talent in WWE, I have full faith that NXT will do great by her. Uh, so they I have a track record of um, pushing their Japanese talent to the moon. I think they start off on the right note with a great match against Zoe Stark, a lady who I'm happy to say I was right against. I think the first time yeah. I saw her in WWE on NXT television a few weeks back. I was like, wow, she, I've never seen her before. She's really great. And then she's been having really good matches so far in the losing effort. But again, with the exception of the win against Tony Storm, uh, who, again, she's continuing the feud with. But I do think you there's an easy story to tell with her, right? You just keeps having great matches uh, and losing until she starts having great matches and winning. And that's, you know, show her progress that easily. It's the uh, Kenta. It's the Kenta push, baby. It's the all Japan Kenta. She loses more than she wins, but she gets closer and closer to winning every time. And then when she wins, it's supposed to blow the roof off the joint. And it 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 generally works when the worker's really, really good and the match can be really, really good. It's something. Yeah, for me, again, even though it's supposed to be about uh, Saray, who has been great. Again, it takes two to put on a great match. This is my first time seeing her. I'm, I'm just, I'm, every time I see her, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, becoming a bigger fan of Zoe Stark. Um, on hey, the other side, we had... Like, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was about to say, like, the moment you said the two women's matches, like, damn, my, my, here's my freaking male brain forgetting. Yeah, uh, Ty Conti and Hikaru Shido put on a hell of a, an absolute barn burner of a piece of business. And I'm really, and I know that when, when, when AEW started, the, the, the people were really bashing the women's division very quickly because it was the weakest product. Um, which is uh, which when we think about, of course it was look at look look at what they were dealing with and what they were operating with and I remember having a conversation with a gentleman on Twitter about this and he was so critical this is like six months ago and he was so critical of the division and they're building it and it's going to take time and it's not going to be perfect and he had all these critiques for them but I would be like all these critiques that you're making you could easily apply to WWE and I was like it is very interesting that you're not because realistically, the things that you're criticizing AEW for doing, currently WWE is doing tenfold because they have more hours of television. So why can't you critique them fairly? And he admitted, he's like, you're, you know what? It's brand loyalty. It's the fact, here's this new thing that has people excited and I'm not happy about it. But honestly, man, like Akaro Shida is the most dominant champion in AEW history. Uh, she's rounding out on the year of a title reign, which I think is very, very important because she's really shown the prestige of that title, how important that title is. And as a result, you've seen women actively wrestling to get opportunities at that title. And you have seen women develop and get better because of it. I mean, Ty Conti had her best match. Ty's been getting better, but that was easily her best match um, overall. And uh, that's in large part because of how they've been building her over a period of time, because AEW Dark does what it's supposed to do very, very well. Uh, AEW Elevation does what it's supposed to do very, very well. And a shout out to Hakaru Shida. She I, I honestly like she's a, she's a great worker. And um, all all that that I think they have the their ranking system for the women is the most competitive. You know what I'm saying? Now, Ty Conti got knocked out. Britt Baker is the number one contender. Or the yeah, title. I think that's the story they're telling. I yep. think that's the, your ultimate yep. question. I would still say, as far as the most competitive, I still got to edge NXT women's division sure. over theirs. Sure. Uh, just because, again, just the amount of talent, even without, you know, uh, with uh, Rhea going over um, to Raw and, uh, and uh, obviously, uh, Bianca Belair now being SmackDown champ. I mean, they're still just incredible. But it's it's now, I think, they're, they're right up there with them. And the fact that we are having this discussion, like the fact that they're even on a level where we can we can start talking about which one is better just shows you how much they've grown over the past six months. I mean, bro, they got Serena Deeb. Once her knee, knee is all good to go, they got Thunder Rosa. Chris Statlander is back. You know, of course, you have and, – and those are just the ones that, you know, we haven't seen for a bit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like the sky's a the big, limit. Big Swole, that. Naya big Rose. Swole, it's, yeah, it's, it's Naya Rose. Like it's a lot. There's a lot going on there. It's excellent. Yeah, absolutely. So again, uh, AW still doing good stuff. Um, Kushida is your new cruiserweight champion at yes. uh, NXT. I know you know. Um, I'm hoping that means obviously the feud with Santos Escobar is continuing, but I hope that you know. I think uh, maybe Santos Escobar will be the next guy they move on to the main roster. I'm not sure. You know, after our previous discussion, it was a good thing or not. But uh, please, please don't let Vince see him. Let him. Let him. He can listen. Put him in the North American title. Do something. You can do that because where are you going to put him on that? On the, where, where does he fit? He doesn't fit anywhere there currently. 
they would have nothing for the first they break up his faction that's the first thing they do they break up his faction and then next thing you know he's like on main event or something yeah fortunately i think you're right but kushida is i'm very happy for him had a great match yes. with one of my uh sleepers in nxt guy who i always love watching uh work on only lorkin just yes. uh just an angry little bastard uh yep they yeah again uh, a hard hitting match i love you know i think kushida is now kind of he always uh, kind of he did this in New Japan as well, where it kind of starts off as a fun character. You know, hey, I'm time traveler, but then eventually he just gets really angry. And uh, yeah. I love that. You know, he, he took those two thunderous chops and then answered back by, you know, uh, basically knocking him out and tapping him out. And yeah. that's you know, I, I love the again. I think I love his more of his character being drawn out, so to speak, in New yeah. Japan. He had an excellent match with Giant Gargano, but I don't think his character was displayed at all. It was just kind of really good match. Yeah, um, I have I have a great appreciation for because it wasn't looking good for Kushida. Let's be mm-hmm. honest, it wasn't. We knew he was going to lose to Johnny. Um, we then knew he was going to lose to to uh, Pete, and I was kind of like, yeah, man, you know, you're kind of going. So I'm, I'm glad that for the for the present time, I've been wrong about it. it. It's not lost on me that Kushida left New Japan because he no longer wanted to be a, a junior, and here he is, basically a junior. Uh, but that something's happening with him, and and. And he really um, is, uh, he's an asset to the division, obviously. Absolutely. They're doing things with him. Um, would love to see, I know, I just really talked about this, but him working Finn Balor, I think would be a nice, yeah. both a nice boost to the division, to the Cruiserweight yeah. division, and also just a nice boost to Kushida. Like, hey, you came here to work with some other talent and we cannot, we, we keep giving you Cruiserweights like we have been. At least you can work with, let's be honest, probably the best Cruiserweight we have. Like actually, right. actually the best guy under 205 we have. Uh, on all of WWE, yeah. Um, and then the the other match that happened this week that we have to highlight, uh, and thank you for kind of uh, bringing my attention to it, was we had a Ring of Honor 500th uh, anniversary. Yes. Match. Um, two members of the same faction going at it. Uh, yeah. Jonathan Grisham, I think our first time discussing him on the podcast. The Octopus. That's right. Uh, the yeah. Octopus is that his nickname? Yep. Hmm. Uh, interesting. Uh, I, a little bit of infringement on Zack Sabre Jr., but okay, well, mm-hmm. you know, we'll talk about it. Um, oh, yeah. I, they do wrestle similarly. For the yeah. Do they have a relationship by any chance? I do not believe so. I, I want to make sure I might have, it might be another seawater creature. I'm sorry. Let me make sure. <laughs> no, it's okay. Well, no, no, no. I don't think Zach, I don't think he ever actually called himself that. I just, whenever he wrestles in the, the New Japan uh, commentaries, where they refer to him as. They, and I think he had Octopus Stretch. If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So I don't think mm-hmm. he ever called him that. Um, so going up against his mentor, his idol in many ways, his stable mate, uh, the ROH, maybe the greatest performer in ROH history, uh, and uh, Jay Lethal. Uh, an excellent match. 60 yeah. minutes, no strikes landed in the yeah. entire match. Yeah, it was basically they did their version of the Landstorm Jerry Lynn no bump match. But the lead up to, I mean, ROH is just, they've done really, especially in pandemic. Um, because uh, Rush, uh, the world champion at the time, was he was in Mexico, couldn't cross the border. So they brought back the pure title and really emphasized bringing back the pure style to ROH, which means, you know, you only have a certain number of rope breaks. You cannot, there's no punching, you know, all these other things like this. And they've really gotten it over. I mean, they've really, really gotten it over. And it's been so interesting with the foundation. Uh, but the foundation came about to sort of, they wanted to bring honor back, you know what I'm saying, to uh, to the company. So the other two members of the foundation are uh, Hot Sauce Tracy Williams and Rhett Titus, who was also a, a Ring of Honor staple who's just been around there for well over a decade now. And uh, they've done a great job in building up Gresham because he is such an incredibly talented worker. And he does. I mean, to me, the octopus thing is cool. He comes to the ring with an octopus mask and it's it, it is cool when you see how he works. It makes total sense, not just in terms of his submissions, but the way he can stretch you, roll you up, all those other things. He kind of gets that name. And uh, that was a match that the fans voted on. And it was interesting because, you know, ROH also does op- they operate in a more like formal athletic uh, presentation. So the fans voted for Jay Lethal versus Jonathan Gresham. Those two are also former uh, Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions together. They just lost those titles not too long ago. But, uh, you know, the fans wanted that match. And it was it was even pointed out, like, Jay Lethal is on the – he's not high in the rankings. But this is the match that you want. And they put on a barn buster of a match. 
they had a really, really cool finish that I had never seen before. So I was like really into that as well. And I think for me, oftentimes it's just about, I just like, you know, does ring of honor have the same amount of uh, sizzle that let's say an AEW or WWE has no, but they are very like, but you know, the characters are the character got characters. They got the beer city bruiser, you know, they got factions, they got all that stuff like that. But it's, I think for me in my head, I, I grind, it's ground more in reality. You know, it's like how kind of how people compare Marvel and DC, whereas in Marvel, everything and anything can have like the, there are multiple complex, you know, all that stuff all the time. DC is a bit, even though it's a comic book, it's still a little, they don't got all that extra stuff. You know, and that's how I look at Ring of Honor. They had a great match. The Briscoes went at it in the main event. Um, which actually Mark Briscoe got the win. It was by count out, but in ring of honor, that stuff really matters. So that's a, he came out victorious. He went over. So and that's big because Mark, whenever Mark and Jay fight, Jay whoops that behind. So to see Mark get the win was pretty cool. Yeah. Again, it's a, it's a pay-per-view or a show worth of checking out. He actually let people know how to watch it because I'm not going to, I had difficulty finding it myself. Yeah, see, Ring of Honor, I mean, look, Ring of Honor, they're on Sinclair. So, you know, that's a hard, not everyone has access to Sinclair Broadcasting, uh, but they are on Fightful Select, so you can go through Fight TV uh, to get them. And if you want to check their stuff out, check out their events, that's a good way to do it if you're one. All right, so before we move on to our preview of um, Impact Rebellion happening this weekend, uh, I will about Kyle O'Reilly's new cool Kyle, but now with a killer instinct gimmick change. We'll see. It's fine. It doesn't, it does not, um, it doesn't do anything for me. Um, I don't think that, um, I don't, I don't think it, I think it'll resonate. It just doesn't resonate with me. How Kyle's work resonates with me has always been in the ring. The the cool Kyle, that thing, like the way that he like, you know, the awkward dancing to the ring. Ah, and even the, the gear, like the colorful, like purple fatigue, like something like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really with it. But at the same time, this is not to say that it can't work. It just might not work for me, or at least it's not working for me in its current iteration. I've always thought if, you're going to, and again, but obviously this is a character that is, is close to, this is him. So that's the best thing to do, I guess. That's more than fair. And then lastly, uh, Cesaro is finally getting the, uh, uh made him a push. At least it looks like he had a little stare down with, uh, Roman Reigns. I think, um, he's going to rehash with, uh, Seth Rollins, uh, in the next pay-per-view before moving on, hopefully to face Roman Reigns eventually. Uh, I like that. I think that's a good thing. What I didn't like were some comments about him um specifically the fact that paul Heyman said that you know basically call him an idiot uh and then he responded with well paul Heyman said i'm not the smartest guy he might be right and that's my big uh pet peeve of mine i don't understand why would you want to paint wrestlers as idiots uh especially when you try to push them especially with cesaro who has previously when criticized has said you guys say i can't speak i speak five languages yeah. I think that's a critique that's much the response much better to this. Well, he was saying yeah. I'm an idiot, dude. I speak five different languages. What are you talking about? Yeah, I, I think I think it was a that's a bit of lazy uh, on the fly talking or whatever it is you want to call it. One, mm-hmm. you never really want to portray your baby face as stupid. That that it, that really doesn't work. Even Rick Steiner, the dog faced gremlin, you could always think that he was stupid, but he always outsmart you. That was the that was the point. So you never really want to portray your baby face, which Cesaro is, as being dumb. Also, the, the thing that I disliked about it, re, it's untrue when it's like IQ wise, he might be the smartest guy in the angle, because honestly, if you speak five languages, which he does, you're a smart person. <laughs> you're a very smart person. Um, and yeah, and so yeah, it, it's all it's it's so it's, it, it reeks of, of dishonesty since it's so wildly untrue. I'm just like, eh, eh. yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, I just don't understand the point, especially again when you already have the story like right there, you, right? Is your former look at look at you, Cesar. I used to, you, you know, I used to be your manager, you did nothing, that's why I never wanted to be with you. You did nothing. Seth Rollins just said that you, you come up from 
where you said you were squandered. You were on the hotel until you are, but look at what you did with it. Meanwhile, yeah. we have Roman Reigns, who never got you, doesn't have yeah. any gifts. Yeah. Who had to work his ass off. He got cut from a football team, picked himself back up. He got leukemia, picked himself back up. He doesn't have heavy body. He's got, you know, leukemia. Guys like, yeah. And he, because he has what you don't. He has the yeah. drive you don't. That's it. That's the story right there. I yeah. don't understand why you have to now be like, not only do you score your potential, but also you were dumb. Like it's, it's, it's unnecessary. I, I, yeah, I don't see that coming. I don't see that being a creative idea from Paul or mm-hmm. Cesaro. <laughs> we can kind of figure right where that um, might come from. So hopefully, the, hopefully they'll be dropped uh, in the coming weeks. But that's, I'm just a little bit worried. Again, I'm happy the man is finally getting his push. I'm sure his match with Roman Reigns is going to be incredible. Well, pushes only matter so far as what they, what they do after the facts. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You, I, I, that's why I'm very, I'm like, I'll, I'll, we'll see how it goes because we've seen Cesaro get pushed before just to have a banger match with John Cena or Roman Reigns in the past, eat the finish. And then that's sort of it. So, I mean, to me, they would have to show me something this time because I've seen this before and I've seen it before when you're booking a dominant heel champion, the dominant heel champion and, and WWE is doing a good job of this, of not making Roman look too strong, which is important, which is actually really important. Um, but because I've seen the Triple H run of, of terror and it was awful. Uh, it was it was it was just really, really bad because it doesn't matter who's getting pushed. You know, afterward, even if that person gets over and they should go over, they don't. And then it not. So then you just killed your ability to make a, a big star for someone who is a star, but can actually go no higher. Like he could, could, he can't ascend any higher. And that's what you had with the Triple H reign of terror. You couldn't make him any more over as a heel because the reality of him and his drawing power is by himself, he was not an effective draw. He was the guy that worked with the guy. You put him with The Rock, you put him with Austin, it works. You leave him to his devices, it's going to middle at best. And that's just, and that's not what I, that's what the people thought of him. And I think with, um, with Roman, you know, I think that he's being judged on a slightly different scale. But again, it's important to note the, you know, week at, or the Friday, you know, after WrestleMania, ratings were down. Mm-hmm. And again, this company will say, so, so let's do this. Every time they hit 2 million, they say it's because of Roman. Well, every time it dips below, it's because of Roman. And when you have the heel in that position who has to win all the time, guess what you're doing to the people that he beats? They don't come out looking any better because the guy's got to be on his year-long run. So, I mean, very rarely can a heel pull off the, the idea of making the, the baby face look better than, than they did going in. Ric Flair could do that in his prime. It'll be very, very interesting to see if Roman it, can pull that off with Cesaro. Yeah, we will indeed see. We got to move on to what probably is going to be the, you know, the other lead of this podcast, which is we have a, a, a pay-per-view. We have an impact pay-per-view, uh, which I'm not going to lie. Did not think um, I was going to pre previewing an impact pay-per-view when, uh, you know, uh, when the year started even, but they have been doing excellent shows and they have a very intriguing match uh, because they're bringing in another world champion from another promotion. And this match is title for title. And they're pretty much all in on promoting this match uh, as the headliner. I'm, of course, talking about Impact Rebellion, where we have Rich Swan versus Kenny Omega, uh, Impact Champion Rich Swan versus AEW Champion Kenny Omega, that is. Um, and yeah, so... Let's start off with a preview. Do we want to preview the whole card or do you want to just focus on the main event? Yeah, we can preview the whole card because it's a good card. I do want to say to the viewers to note that this is why this is kind of significant, especially within the United States. It's going to be the first time in quite a while you have a title for title match uh, in the United States where the two companies both have legitimate world title status. That has not happened in a while. And I think that, like, kudos to Impact for really, you know, the mistakes that were made in TNA, the fact that this place has been able to turn it around. Like, and people have, to, like, Impact suffered so much. They were such a, a great, viable alternative for a period of time there. You had the wrong people uh, in positions of power, and it hurt them tremendously. And then they tried again 
with global force and people weren't on their a game and it hurt them tremendously. And now they, they got, you know, their guys, they got their bookers. They are invested in this. They know their market now because they've lost so much of it. This was a company that was literally pulling in like, you know, a mil- 1.5 million ratings, you know, about 10 years ago. Um, and they were on spike, you know, it was, it was going pretty well. Um, and, you know, they just sort of squandered that, but they've got their ducks in a row and they were taking hits like PWIs, like we're not really going to cover these guys. They're not a world, they're not a legit world champion company, you know, and, and these guys really had to build their product back up and they stayed true to their vision. Uh, they didn't try to be like anyone else. And to get back to this point that now they once again have legit world title status. So that means that all of their world titles are recognized as legitimate world titles. And the fact that now their ratings are better than they've been in years as they head into this main event with Kenny Omega, with an AEW that's now breaking a million views, you know, on Wednesday night uh, is quite remarkable. I think it speaks to both companies, but shout out to Impact, man, because I I, I was really thinking that they weren't going to, I was bummed because I thought they weren't going to make it. I agree. Let's start with the bottom of the card. We have the first match, according to the Wikipedia, is we have Fire and Flavor, mm-hmm. Kiera Hogan and Tasha Steeles versus Jordan Grace and Rachel Eldering for the Impact Knockouts Tag Team Championship. Let me tell you something. If you have never seen Jordan Grace, you are in for a treat. Uh, Jordan Grace and Jazz, actually world famous Jazz Jazz of WWE uh, history, were teaming up. But, you know, Jazz lost. She lost her retirement match. So Jazz is, Jazz is out. Rachel Ellering is in. Rachel Ellering. Uh, you know, precious Paul Ellerig's daughter, um, also a tremendous worker. Jordan, all these, all four women are tremendous workers, but Jordan Grace, a former Impact Worlds champion, trying to get the tag titles. That should be a good opener. Now, next on the card, we have Chris Sabin, Eddie Edwards, James Storm, and Willie Mack versus Violent by Design. Yeah, you have the teaming of Eric Young, uh, Diener, Joe Doring, and Rhino. And again, just to show one, good to see James Storm back at home, uh, you know, back in Impact. Uh, Chris Saban still around. Willie Mack, always good to see him. Eddie Edwards, who's sort of become like the flagship of Impact. Love him a whole bunch. Eric Young back at the moment Eric Young came back to Impact he, after he was, you know, uh, uh, let go or released by WWE. He kind of proved everything that he was saying about, you know, the company that he had previously worked for. And uh, they're also they're all going to have a great match. Rhinos, you got veterans in there with young guys and all this. It's going to be that's going to be a great eight man tag match. Of these eight, who should people like be excited to watch? Who do you think is the has the brightest future ahead of them? Because some of these are veterans and obviously their job is to pro with the young guy. Yeah, I would I would say either. uh like Diener or Joe Doring. Joe Doring's older, actually. Joe Doring, actually, a lot of people don't know, like, because the thing about it is, like, people forget that these guys have these long histories. You know, Joe Doring is a former All Japan Pro Wrestling Triple Crown champion. So he's held that title twice. So I would say this is more about uh, Corey, Cody Diener, rather, even though Diener is not a spring chicken, he doesn't have the notoriety of everyone else. So I would say uh, Diener is really the one to look out for. We have Trey Miguel, which is Sammy Callahan, which is a last man standing match. Uh, Sammy Callahan has been one of the guys I've been really who I have watched in Impact before. I think he had really, really just a good um, hardcore matches, like a good string of them. And he's been kind of the guy who one of the guys who helped put uh, the company kind of back on the map. Yes, definitely. Uh, The stuff that he did with Tessa Blanchard that a lot of people wouldn't have done. It's pretty was pretty cool. It's pretty groundbreaking at the time. And 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 made me a fan of Tessa before I found out who she was, um, you know, and then, you know, uh, yeah. So that, that's going to be good. So uh, who do, what do you think it is? Do you think uh, this is a uh, Trey, Trey all the way, baby. Yeah. Trey, this is, this is, I mean, at this point, Sammy's kind of done everything. And Trey is a guy that he's a young dude. He's an Ohioan. So, you know, you know what I'm saying? But he's a young guy, very talented on the national stage. And this is, I think, one of it's a coming out party of sorts, although he's been doing a lot of stuff. But, you know, having a match with Sammy Callahan, last man standing, you're busy. You're busy. 
yeah, he's going to be in a lot of, you know, a lot of pain. By the way, I don't know if you realize this. I, I, I was under the impression that Sammy Callahan was from Philadelphia. I think because of his. No, he's from Ohio. Court. He's also from Ohio. So yeah. you have a pair of Ohio. Yeah, yeah Ohio versus, uh, well, they had oh, oh, what, Ohio, uh, uh, Ohio versus everyone, OVE. That's right. Yep. Trust, listen, look, when I tell you something, when I tell you something about Ohioans, we know one another. And when you are in Ohio, like, understand that Ohioans, when they're not living in Ohio to do something, there's an understanding of what you are putting yourself through and what you are willing to do. So those two Ohio boys are going to light the place up. Uh, next up, we have a match between uh, Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder, going up against Brian Myers. Yes. 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 Um, and the funny thing, I mean, Brian Myers has actually been used pretty, pretty well. Um, these two, of course, former tag team champions, great, great uh, friends and enemies. So this is going to be a good match. That's all. I, that's really, you know, Myers has done a great job of resuscitating himself. He's done damn near, and especially when I watch it, I'm like, oh, man, this is like forgetting your your WWE run, your last one anyway. Of sorts, which is a hard thing to do considering how he was used and how he was placed. Uh, but he, he went back to impact and worked that very, very, very intelligently. And uh, it's, it's been paying off. Having said all of that, you know, unless you're going to continue this, I think it's Cardona's match to win. Next up on the card, we have a three-way for Impact's X Division Championship with Ace Austin versus Josh Alexander versus TJP. Uh, I've yes. seen a couple of Ace Austin matches. Uh, obviously, I'm familiar with TJP from his time in WWE, your first Cruiserweight champion, mm -hmm. uh, as well as a great stint at uh, Southpaw Wrestling, uh, yeah. if you've seen him. Um, so, yeah, I'm not too familiar with Josh Alexander, but Ace Austin and TJP, that's, I know they're going to – they're both great, really two good high flyers. Mm -hmm. uh, TJP, of course, has a little bit more of a ground game as well. So – uh, yeah, definitely interesting to see what they can do. Yeah, it's going to be good. I know that Ace has got this there is like, you know, kind of considered, you know, one of the future guys of the company. So I, I think it's going to be a good match. I think it's funny. I just think it's funny. Josh is Josh, a big boy. So him fighting for the X division championship is just hilarious to me. But I know that there's a story there and that they're going to make it work. And, you know, how how is how is Ace going to pull it off? Uh, <laughs> next up, we have. Diona Peruso versus Daniel Dashwood. That is the that Impact Knockouts Championship. Yeah, this is actually, honestly, like aside from the main event, this is my pick for match of the night. Diana Perazzo, uh, you know, who's just literally, you know, this virtuoso uh, grappling wrestler. I mean, she came in and she made Jordan Grace verbally quit, uh, verbally tap out, in a sense, for the Impact Women's Championship. Um, and she, she's just been dominant as a champion thus far. And they're really, really behind her. She is their, she is their franchise of that division, but also to Dashwood, heck of a worker. And I, this is the match I'm looking forward to most aside from the main event. Yeah. Um, very, very talented lady, only 26 years old. Um, yes. had a great, you know, or not a great, but had a, a run in NXT kind of very underutilized. I believe she had some injury issues. Mm -hmm which is why, you know, left her release. But, um, yeah, definitely showing what she can do. And I'm in the same boat as you. I think this might be uh, the sleeper match of the night. Mm -hmm. uh, up next, we have four Impact World Tag Team Championships. We have Finn Juice, composed of David Finley and Juice Robinson, both of whom are members of New Japan, so a little bit at the other invasion match, if you will, mm -hmm. going up against the Good Brothers, who are you probably know from WWE as part of the club. Doug Gallows, Carl Anderson. Uh, I think I'm excited for this just because I, li I like seeing Finn Juice. And also Juice Robinson changes his appearance so often that I'm just interested to see what he looks like. But it's going to be a great, great tag team match. Uh, I could see it going back to the Good Brothers. But I shall hold out hope that it will be Finn Juice retaining the titles in a well-fought and contested contest. I have the Good Brothers taking them on. I think, uh, especially based on what's what I think is going to happen in the main event, yeah. I think uh, Impact needs a win. Yeah, I yep. think the Impact needs to take back their World Tag Team titles before, yeah. well, before losing their main title to yep. AEW. 
And with that in mind, we have, as you mentioned, one of the most, honestly, one of the best, I would say, uh, on quote-unquote independent, let's say not, let's even say that. Let's not even have any qualifiers. This is one of the most, one of the best main events of the year, quite frankly, uh, in all wrestling. Uh, Yes. In Rich Swan representing Impact, your Impact World Champion, versus Kenny Omega, your AEW Champion, title versus title. Um, as I mentioned, I think that given the story they're telling, I think this is going to be a longer story. This is the first meeting between a, a babyface champ and a heel champ. You let the heel champ win before the babyface or somebody representing another babyface will comes in and, and avenges that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think right now it's one of those things where Kenny is going on a belt collecting tour. He's already the AEW world champion. He's the AAA mega champion down in Mexico. So it would make sense that he would win the Impact world title because then he'd be, in fact, winning two belts because uh, Rich is still he's walking around still with those two belts, which I think he should just keep the old belt. It's the superior uh, looking belt. But, you know, that's just me. Um, however, Rich Swan has consistently overachieved and in moments where I thought the man would falter, he has not. So I know what logic is saying, but I am tired of going against Rich Swan and having my feelings hurt. I'm tired of it. I'm tired after Moose. I like, I let it go. He beat Moose. Damn it. And so I, I so it's going to be a great match. But I, the only prediction that I will make is yes. It will be a great match. Definitely looking forward to it. Um, definitely worth, you know, spending your money on. Definitely a match that, that sells. I'm excited. And again, as, as I have been, I have not seen Kenny Omega on uh, Impact or on AW TV recently. I think it's- we might see him as Champ Champ. And I think we're going to see a bit more of TNA kind of, you know, go invade AEW. And I think that's kind of how you boost both promotions, right? You, yeah, and it, if you want to get a sense of it, go on to Impact. They have the press conference that was done mm-hmm. between Rich Swan and Kenny Omega. That was excellent. Um, absolutely excellent. Loved it. I'm a big fan of pro wrestling press conferences because it helps you advance stories. Uh, WWE should do more of that, but, you know, they spite their fans. But, you know, so, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great. It sure is. We have to get out of here. Uh, match of the week. Satoyo, what is your recommendation? You know, the match of the week that I want to give to you guys, it's a very near and dear match uh, to my heart, actually. And it's not really a match that's really, it's not what you guys would think. Um, I am saying Kurt Angle versus Desmond Wolf. And this match is from, what is that, 2009? I believe it was Turning Point 2009, Kurt Angle, uh, Desmond Wolf. And you can find it easily on TNA's website. Just go to Impact Wrestling or just type in Kurt Angle versus Desmond Wolf. Desmond Wolf, of course, is Nigel McGuinness. After his deal with WWE fell through, he went to Impact and he had a, a slew of barn busters with uh, Kurt Angle. And this is their first one. And it was an excellent match. Yeah, it was indeed. Again, Nigel McGuinness, uh, one of the greats of independence scene whose career, unfortunately, got cut short. Yes. Uh, with that in mind, I wasn't sure which match to recommend this week. Uh, I had a few recent ones, to be honest with you. And actually, you kind of segued me into recommending a match that recently happened uh, because Nigel McGuinness, of course, is a commentator currently for NXT UK. And NXT UK had an event, uh, which I think a lot of us missed, called NXT UK Preview or WrestleMania yes. Weekend. Um, where they had uh, two excellent matches, uh, and uh, one of them was Walter, who, I, if you gone to my head, I would say is the best champion in the world right now. M- my favorite wrestler to watch right now, probably. And the other one was uh, a, a, a very similar to the pure match that we discussed earlier in the show. We had a Heritage Cup match, number yes. one contenders match between Noam Dar and Tyler Bate. Uh, as far as young wrestlers in the world, I mean Tyler Bate and uh, a class who is the current yeah. heritage world champion are two of absolute great yes. um, just ridiculously good for being in the, I think 25 and below which is yeah. uh, as a man in the stories is genuinely upsetting yes uh, it's very discouraging uh, Noam Dar is also uh, another guy who's absolute maybe you know just a step below where they are but also incredible um, yeah. and yeah the two had just a really really good pure, uh, pure heritage cup rules quote unquote match mm-hmm. um, that thing is worth checking out yeah 
Yeah. Well, guys, I think uh, we listen. We promised you a great episode. I feel like we delivered. Uh, that has been us. Please follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Check out the matches. Uh, please, if you can, watch Rebellion this weekend. Uh, it's affordable, and it's going to be a great show. Couldn't say better myself. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Give Me the Book. Thank you so much for being with us. Have a great week.